This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. San Jose, California native Shannon Liu is my guest today. Shannon is a world-class dizzy player. A dizzy is a bamboo flute. World-class is no hyperbole here as she is the winner of a gold medal in the 2021 Song Ting Long Yin National Bamboo Flute Competition in China and has performed at Carnegie Hall. Currently, she is a senior cognitive science major and music performance minor at Carleton College and has been a member of the Carleton Chinese Music Ensemble for the past three years. It's time to learn more from this talented young woman herself. Let's talk with Shannon Liu. Hi, Shannon. Welcome to Musician Talk. Hi. I'm very happy to have you here. Yeah, very happy to be here. Have you had a chance to enjoy this weather? Yes. Good. Did you get outside yesterday? Yeah, it was really great. Yeah, today will be too. So first I have to say, I asked you how to pronounce your last name, but I did not look up how to pronounce your instrument, and I absolutely botched it on the intro. It's not a dizzy hello. Of course not. How do you say the name of of the flute? Yeah, it's called Deedzi. Deedzi. Okay, I'll probably get that wrong again at some point in time during this uh, interview, but the Deedzi, that's awesome. All right, so let's start with your musical journey, if you could take us through step by step um, when you started to play and uh, take us up to now being at Carleton College yeah um, so I first started doing music when I was five I learned piano first and then um, at about third grade I was in a language immersion program and they started an after-school program and the first music um, thing that they did was the dizi and so I started learning at um, third grade and I really enjoyed it. I just went from there pretty much. Um, I was studying under a very talented um, teacher called um, Galdrin um, and I worked under him for about like until sophomore, junior year of high school Um, and recently I've been working with um, my new teacher um, Yu Xiaoqing and they were both from China and studied at the conservatories, and they're both super talented. Um, and after um, starting to learn Deedza, I really enjoy playing wind instruments, and I also started playing some flute um, so I can join the uh, middle and high school band and yeah. just get a little bit more um, ensemble experience in. And um, pretty much I've been focusing on the Chinese music aspect, though, in college. Um, I was very lucky to have found Gao Hong while I was looking at colleges, and she was one of the primary reasons why I decided to come to Carleton. And um, when I came here, she offered me so many opportunities to perform, and it just helped me grow a lot as a musician, much more than um, just practicing and doing some level tests. Well, I imagine in, in, as you're growing up and you start in third grade, that through elementary school and middle school and high school, that there's no music for a West or an Eastern instrument. And so uh, I'm glad that you picked up the flute so you're able to at least play with bands. Did you have, find any uh, opportunities to play when you were younger in, you know, with Chinese groups or any other group out in, in uh, California? Yeah, we actually had... Uh, um Chinese youth ensemble in my area. Um, we had a pretty big Asian community, so um, all of us had 
a lot of people to work with and I played with like a group of at least like five to six Diza players um, and they're all very good and many of them still keep on playing um, now I'm pretty sure <laughs> I have not been keeping in contact with them but sure yeah that's just that's great that you had that opportunity you might not have mm-hmm. had that if you weren't on the west coast um, so and you had a, a wonderful teacher your first teacher you said was a really great player and that just happened he happened to be close enough to be able to give you lessons yeah he just happened to be there wow um, and they asked him to be um, the teacher for our language immersion program and oh, so that's okay. how I met him Okay, that sounds like serendipity. Like that was supposed to happen. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> like he was placed in your path mm-hmm. for this reason yes. because you are such a gifted player. And that's really, really great. So tell me a little bit about your household, music in your household growing up. Yeah, um, so both my parents, they have dabbled in music. Um, my grandma is a music teacher, um, but none of them really play professionally. Um, I think that like um the childhood that they had with music in their lives like they really enjoyed it and so they also thought that my brother and I should also have that in our lives and just um it teaches you really important skills teaches discipline and um just enjoying art which is also really important um, yes yeah and so in your household, what kind of music did you listen to? Did you did, did you listen to groups that played the deets? I mean, were you familiar with it as you grew up listening to it in your, in your household, too? Um, we actually didn't. So my dad is a big fan of classical music. So okay. we listened to all the famous classical music um, pieces at home, and we listened to it on the car. Um, we almost never listened to radio, so lots of Mozart and Beethoven. How do you think that influenced your playing? Um, Even though it does, they don't have your your instrument when you know in the orchestra that you're listening to. Yeah, I think I was able to get a lot of the um, the strict sense of like rhythm and all that. All of that um, is more popular in European countries, and I think it helped me build my foundation very mm. well. And um, because Chinese music is a little bit more free flowing. Um, as I got older and did more of it, I was able to use the foundation and like extrapolate from it a little bit more. I think if I just went from the get go and did a lot of like the more um, free um, tempo style music, I would have a lot of trouble going back into like a more structured sure. piece. Yeah. So when you say free flowing, what 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 does that mean? Does it mean improv or uh, what does the music look like for something that's free flowing? Yeah, um, so in a lot of Chinese music, what happens is they'll have about like the first um, four or five lines of the piece and they have like a melody written out with some kind of like rhythm, but um, it's very, um, very flexible. So it goes up to interpretation. It's a little bit similar to the idea of like folk stories passed down. So um, a lot of the time it would be your teacher will play it in a certain way and you will mimic them. And so um, based on how a performer plays, you can kind of tell like who their teacher was and like what area they're from. Um, And that plays a really big role in just like how the music is conveyed. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. So you would learn it the way your teacher plays it. And once you become Mm -hmm. proficient, then do you take off from there and create your own way to play it? Yeah. um, So I 
actually have recordings of different um, pieces where I learned from my teacher, um, Gao Jun, and then my other teacher, Yu Xiaoqing. And then um, you can hear, like, especially in the um, free-flowing part, you call it the shadow. Um, there's a lot of very, very different um, ornamentations and, like, speed and, like, um, rubatos and stuff put sure. into it. Kind of sounds a little bit like jazz. You know, with jazz, yeah. you have a real book, you have the melody line, and that, and then some rhythm uh, is there, but you take that and you go from it. You mm-hmm. take off from there. That's really cool. Thank you for that. So now that was a little bit of a tutorial on uh, the music that you play, but I would also, and I would also like you to give us a tutorial on your instrument. Uh, and it's very fascinating that there's different sizes that play different scales and all that. So why don't you go ahead and get, just let, let us know something about your instrument, the Dietze. Yeah, um, so it is based off of like a, eight tone scale so I can play all of the um, whole notes and um, the notes that are harder to play are anything with sharps or flats Um, you would need to cover um, half of the whole to be able to do that so it takes a little bit of technique normally um, you don't really learn it until you get to like the higher levels of um, deeds of playing and another thing that you really want to notice is that there is an extra hole in between like the um the blow hole and the finger holes and um you actually put a plant membrane on it. A what? Sorry. You put a plant membrane on okay. it. It's called the dimo and um it produces this really characteristic sound of the dizu. Um that kind of like nasally bright sound that comes from it um that you can't get from a flute. Um, and so <laughs> Excuse me. And so that that membrane stays there. You don't put your finger over it or anything. That's it. The membrane just stays yeah. there while you play. The membrane stays All there. Right. And so how many different uh, dietzes do you play? Um, so I have about 15, I think. Wow. And are they all different? Yeah, they're all of different sizes. So basically any um, note on the scale, they probably have these before so there's like c d e and everything up to there and sometimes there's also like b flat um there's a lot of different ones and you would play depending on the scale um yeah. of the song that you're playing mm-hmm. yeah wow that is fascinating do you ever switch in the middle of a song <laughs> do you ever have you know modulation and then have to pick up a different instrument um so you don't really do that in solo playing but you do it ensemble playing because okay. um there are a few um pieces where you will change the fingering to modulate um, but it has to be a scale that's compatible with the scale that you're playing the flute on Um, if it's not then you have to switch flutes and so that's more likely to happen in um, in ensemble okay wow that is fascinating so you have on the piano the 12 note chromatic scale that's all half half steps and they're all the same distance apart Mm -hmm. and in so on you're saying this is an eight note uh, instrument, and so those are not all evenly spaced or e- evenly toned. Um, so it can pretty much be matched to the um, twelve chromatic scale. Okay. Um, I think there's so- there's slightly different um, tuning differences. So sometimes, like my flute will be a little bit higher than um, pianos and stuff like that. 
um, just because everything's fixed, so the um, the holes are all drilled in a specific position, so it's never going to be able to be changed, right? right? So you have to adjust for that. Um, but overall, the notes are pretty um, similar, I would say. And do you control some of that? Is it some of that uh, being in tune controlled by your mouth? Yeah, um, so we actually have two kinds. So we have a kind that you can like separate. So those are like the ensemble flutes. Um, it's kind of like a normal flute where you would pull out the head joint and push it back to adjust for um, tuning. But then the um, better performance flutes, they are usually one piece. And so um, in flu, normally you can adjust with like airflow. You can adjust just by tilting it a little bit up or down. Um, and that's normally how I deal with it because the difference is pretty um, small. Wow. So it's adjustable. You are an amazing player. I, I mean, technically so proficient doesn't quite cover it. Uh, you're also a very emotional player. I find when I listen to their pieces. So let's let's talk about this first piece called Oasis. Why did you pick this song to play today? Um, yeah, so this is um, a piece that I was really proud of performing. It is one of the um, hardest pieces I've ever played. Um, it has a really difficult technique called um, circular breathing and double tonguing at the same time. And those <laughs> techniques individually are very difficult. Um, to do well and I worked a lot struggling to just like get that there's a section where I think I played it um, as well as I I think I can at this moment and like I remember when I played it I just felt like a like a sense of relief and like joy that I like messed up a little bit after that but I think it was just like a super great experience to play this piece and I really wanted to share it with other people so describe circular breathing um, so circular breathing is basically, um, when you're still playing, but you're going to be breathing through your nose at the same time while you blow. <laughs> so you're inhaling and exhaling at the same time. That's amazing. Essentially. And you have to do that. Why? Um, so it's kind of for musical continuity, um, especially for wind instruments, you would be breathing in the middle and, um, you, if you breathe, you kind of like break the the flow of the music a little bit right um mm -hmm. and normally like if you breathe fast it's fine but um i think for the chinese music they sometimes they're very particular and they want to get a very specific feeling and circular breathing is one way to get that where you can have um a super good flow and you can also it's also a way for performers to show off um sure. essentially right if you watch different like great performers a lot of them they will sneak in some circular breathing and add in super long notes just to show that they can do it. Yeah. And, yeah. So your phrasing can be almost, I mean, if you can circular breathe the whole song, your phrase, the phrase could be the complete song. Yeah. I mean, if there's no rests, right? I mean, yeah. it would just, right. Oh, that's really cool. So um, you spoke some of the challenges with this piece is learning to, yeah, to circular breathe and double tongue. Is that what you said mm -hmm. too? And why don't you explain that too? What that um, is. So... The reason why it's so difficult is because you're, you're tonguing, so it kind of breaks the airflow while you are playing at the same time. And normally for long notes, it's a little bit easier because you're not doing anything with your tongue. You're just you're just blowing, yeah. so you can focus on breathing. But when you're doing double tonguing, you have to make sure like you're even and like you're getting the articulation through. And so just being able to focus on that um, is a little bit difficult. And then if you add on circular breathing, it's oh, crazy. I don't know how you could do that. How could <laughs> 
because <laughs> you're stopping the flow with your tongue, yeah. even though you want the flow to be continuous. That is amazing. Uh, let's see. So when, when did you do this piece and when, where, where was it? Where was it recorded? Yeah, so I did this piece um, last May um, <clears throat> in Crackham Hall at Carleton College. Okay. Um, so I was accompanied by the very talented Helen Jin Lee, who's also a Carleton student. Um, she's amazing. I asked her at the beginning of the term. <laughs> so I gave her like seven weeks to learn the accompaniment and do it with me. Well, it's beautiful. So um, uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to Shannon playing the Dietze on a song called Oasis.
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard a piece called Oasis, played on a bamboo flute called Aditza, by my guest today, Shannon Liu. Shannon, who wrote this song? Do you know the composer? Yeah, so the composer is Mo Fan, um, and he wrote it in 1988. Um, and as you can hear in the piece, um, it feels pretty contemporary, and um, it's used. It's it uses a lot of like. Um, tunes by minorities um i think the next piece that's going to get played is also very similar um in the sense that it's also played with uh, minority folk tunes so um nice yeah nice so it's it was uh, from 1980 and how was this song chosen for this performance yeah um so pretty much my teacher just um gave me this piece and he was like i think this is going to be a good challenge you should try this out um, and I tried it. I really enjoy like the different um, tonalities of it, I think, because normally you have the um, whole note scale. And this one, it has a lot of challenges. It um, uses a lot of sharps and flats wow. compared to other pieces. So you have to do a lot of half holes. Um, you cover half <sighs> of it. And just, it's also very technically challenging in all other aspects. I mean, talk about m- having to have muscle memory to be able to go from covering the hole completely to half, to covering only half the holes. That's just amazing. Um, uh, what did I have down here? Uh, dramatic, emotional, technically brilliant, effortless. Also, the effortlessness of, of your playing is, is wonderful. Um, and folks, all those notes and all, everything she did was with six holes in this instrument and so uh the combinations of your fingers must be uh <laughs> countless i guess i would say <laughs> okay so shannon let's talk about the future you're senior at carlton and so what are you thinking um for your job and uh, and or for your musical life as when after you graduate yeah um so in terms of my job, it is completely different from music. Um, I am interested in human-computer interaction. Um, so I'm really interested in how technology can help people in just everyday li- in their everyday lives. Um, and I'm interested in doing things like user experience research, trying to figure out how to improve um, technology to fit people's needs, and also things like product management, where you would be basically managing the um, formation of a product Um, and so those are some things that I hope to try or do in my future Um, in terms of music I really would like to continue playing music Um, I've talked to Gahom about this uh, multiple times where I was like I should just stick around in Minnesota and then I can go perform with you um, whenever we're free Um, (laughs) it would be it would be really great to do that um, because without her I would not be the same musician I am today. Yeah. Well, uh, I when I'm listening to this, I'm, th- I'm I was thinking, okay, there there can't be that many players of this instrument that are as proficient as you are, um, and that it just uh, seems like it would be really really great instrument to have on soundtracks, you know, of movies. It, it, there's mm-hmm. just something about it that really speaks to that. Uh, so who knows? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so. It, are there ensembles that you could you could join, or is that or could you just start your own? Um, honestly, that would be really cool to be able to start my own. I think um, the Chinese music community it's pretty scattered around the um, United States. Um, 
I mentioned that we had like a Chinese youth orchestra, um, but many of them don't really go on to being professionals. Um, so I think um, if I did continue performing Chinese music, it'd probably be something very similar to like Alhon's career path. Um, collaborating with people of different cultures. Um, she has a lot of ensembles where she works with people from um, like African cultures, um, Iranian cultures, and just doing a lot of improvisation, which is yeah. also something that came from like the Chinese um, freedom, like free music. Yeah. Okay. Also, you don't have to play just Chinese music and you don't have to play just with Chinese mm -hmm. instruments, right? You can marry this with anything. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's when some of the most in interesting and innovative music comes from when you take, you know, instruments from different cultures and, and join them up. I mean, you could, mm -hmm. you could play in a rock band with this, with this instrument. Really, seriously, you could. Why not? Um, listen to Hocus Pocus by Focus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you'll see, you could cop that flute part, I bet, no problem. <laughs> Well, good luck in your future endeavors, and I totally wholeheartedly support uh, making the interaction between humans and computers a little bit more efficient, because I know we all bang our heads at, uh, sometimes when we're trying to deal with our computers. So I want to talk about the quote um, that I picked out for this week now, and this is a quote by James Galway, and why don't you tell us a little bit about James Galway? Yeah, um, so James Galway pretty sure he's a French flutist. Um, he's very proficient in the flute world. Um, if you search up any famous um, pieces in flute, there's chances are there's a recording of him. Um, and he's just very well revered in the flute community. Yeah. And he said, uh, you cannot prepare enough for anything. Which I kind of, when I after I read it, I, I mean, I just kind of went right by it because it seemed like so obvious. But but really, I, I kind of kept coming back to it because really it's profound in so many different ways. And so before I say anything more, tell me how it hits you, how you interpret this. Yeah, um, I really love that quote. I think it's, um, for some people it might be stressful. I think to me it's very freeing because it's like anything that's going to happen is going to happen. And so I can just focus on being having the best performance myself. But if anything happens, I know it's not really my fault, as long as I prepare um, sufficiently enough. Um, so to that extent, I think it's, it's really great for performers just to understand that like anything can happen, and you just have to be um, okay with being flexible. Nice. And so when you say practice, uh, when you say when you're practicing for something, a performance, let's say, when is enough for you? Um, so when I perform, I like to just find one thing that I want to improve every time I perform a piece. Oh, nice. um, and because if there's too many things, I'm going to get overwhelmed. Um, right. And I think it's really good to just focus on one thing. Um, normally, like, um, practicing enough is like having the piece down and like you got everything memorized and you can um, rely a little bit on muscle memory so you can focus on expression. I think nice. that's normally the point I try to get get to before any performance. Um, and then from there, I will focus on like, I'm going to do more dynamics this time. I want to show more contrast. Um, I want to get this section as beautiful as I can. Um, those are some things that I usually try to do in a performance. I love the idea of rehearsing enough so that you're not concentrating on the notes, you're concentrating on the expression. That's beautiful, and I think that works 
uh, for any performance of any instrument, right? Yeah. Because you can uh, you can practice to your blue in the face, and you're, when you get to the performance, ev- so many things are different. And probably most importantly, what's going on in your head at any moment is different. Your stresses are different and all that kind of thing. So you can never get it perfect. And being able to concentrate on the expression of it is that's the that's what we all want to get to. I mm-hmm. think that's just really, really beautiful. Um, who's to say what's good enough? I mean, who who who's the arbiter of that? Um, I would say mainly yourself. Um, just because you know the piece best, normally when you're performing. Obviously, if your teacher's there, that's a little bit different. Um, <laughs> right. I also get very nervous if my teacher is there for my performances. Um, it makes it trips me up a little bit. Um, but I think overall, like since you should be the one setting the goals for like how you want to convey your music um you should be the one making the decisions on if it was a good performance or not um and i think i was also very fortunate to have a very supportive community so anytime i perform everyone's just like that is great um and (laughs) and so it's like when i do meet some criticism i i still know that like they are coming from a good place and they just want to help me improve um so that's how I like to go about it. That's beautiful, Shannon. Thank you. That's really, really beautiful. So let's turn to the second piece called New Song of the Herdsman. And you said this is a song uh, written by a minority community? Um, so it's a song written about a minority about community. Someone, yeah. It's Got about it. the Inner Mongolians. Um, yeah, and so this piece is chosen to be something my teacher calls my national truths, which means just like a piece I can just pull out whenever <laughs> I can. So he's been training me to do this piece since like um, probably saw, like junior year of high school. This wow. is one of the first pieces my new teacher um, had me play for him. And um, I've just been polishing this piece many times. And like I played it so many times that I don't know how many times I've played it. <laughs> So, uh, in practicing and and lessons and in performances then. Um, And so, why did you choose this piece? I mean, other than it being uh, something that you've been working on for so many years. What do you like about it, I guess I should ask? Yeah. um, So, I think this piece is kind of like one of the best examples of like descriptive music imagery. Um, So, in Chinese music... Um, you get it a lot of like names where it's like there's clouds and mountains and stuff like that. Um, and this one is um, pretty unique because it's more of an active piece. It's descriptive as well as like active. So you have um, you can hear the sound of horses galloping and you nice. can hear some folk tunes in it. Um, and it just has everything in one package, I feel like. Nice. And what was your bis- biggest challenge with this piece? Um, so I think this piece, the biggest challenge is the expression. So technically it's not as difficult as the first piece that was played. Um, but just being able to get the, um, different feelings of like the, um, the beginning where it's a little bit more calm and then like the middle where it's a lot of like, you feel like there's a lot of horses and it's very exciting and just like accelerating that excitement. Um, those things are just um, little there's a lot of little things that you want to focus on in like your to- your tone and stuff like that um, that's a little bit harder to manage 
Got it. And it is so expressive. It is very, and reflective, both. Uh, and when did, was this recorded? And um, where? So this was also recorded um, around last June. So this was um, a recording for one of my music performance classes. And um, we basically had to choose like different camera angles and like different mics. So I had a very fun experience editing this um, video. It was also performed in Crackham Hall. Um, but the method of recording is very different. It wasn't a live performance. And so I should mention that you can see these performances on, on YouTube. Um, and just look up your name, Shannon Liu, L-I-U. Um, all right, so uh, let's just take a listen to this now. And it, this is Shannon playing Dietze on the song called New Song of the Herdsman.
This is Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. My guest today is wind instrumentalist Shannon Liu. You just heard her solo on the Dietze on a piece called New Song of the Herdsman. Shannon, wow. Your parents must be so proud. <laughs> you are something else. I mean, that just takes you on a on a journey. That song you just took you just took all of us on a journey, um, and a very exciting one uh, as well. Really, really incredible. Um, so, best gig, worst gig. You said you had some things for this, and then you kind of laughed. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in what you have to tell us. Yes. Um, so, my best gig was um, Oasis. So, again, it's a very technically challenging piece. I was very happy with the way I did that double tonguey circular breathing so happy that i blinked out a little bit and then messed up so um i think it was really great no one noticed so it was also right yeah it's the best when no one notices that you mess up yes, I think. yes exactly yeah um in terms of the worst gig um it's a happy coincidence that i also chose new song of the herdsman because i had um one of my worst performances was on that piece and i think it shows a lot just like how much um being able to practice and like perform over the years changes how you perform. Um, so one of the first performances on this piece was in a middle school gymnasium with um, <laughs> a bunch of kids and parents who were in the same program that I was in. Um, so a lot of the students were, um, I was also helping with teaching them and there was lots of middle schoolers, elementary schoolers just like watching me. And so <laughs> while I was playing, I I messed up and then I blanked out for a full probably like 10, 15 seconds, which is a lot. That's a long time. Yeah, when that's you're performing. a long time when you're performing. And so I just stood there and stared into a corner for a bit. Um, and my teacher at that time, he saw the recording. He started laughing. Um, I think it was a it, it was a really great experience and low stakes too because it was just with some parents and some students. Um, and I think that made me realize like how bad a performance can get. And <laughs> and you still survived. Yeah, I right? still survived. I think it was really great that I was able to learn it early yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't get as much of the paralyzing fear anymore because I just remember back to that performance. I'm like, it's never going to be that bad. I'm more prepared right. now and I can do this. <laughs> That's great. And it is a great lesson to learn early on. I want to ask you about um, this contest that you won gold medal in 2021 in China. And it was a national uh, bamboo flute competition, correct? Yes. Will you tell us a little bit about that? And uh, I was I thought that was going to be your best gig. So, um, But I want to talk about it even though it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was a whole kind of surreal experience because it was over the pandemic. So the format of the competition was pretty unique where you you kind of just recorded and you sent in the recording. But okay. um, because I'm in America, um, the the way I was submitting my application was kind of um, um, just uh, different because I had to send it to um, my teacher and then he was the one who submitted it for me. Okay. And then like a few months later, um, they were just like, yeah, you won. Oh. So I think that's that's part of why. It's just like there wasn't any like live performance. Right, I right. did prepare a lot for it, but it just felt a little bit more disconnected. So yeah. I guess like it shows how much live performance is like really important to musicians. It is. It is. And I hope that you have that, that kind of um, opportunities. And I, I'm sure you will have those kind of opportunities on some really big stages as you did on at Carnegie, Carnegie Hall. And I would just like to, before we... Uh, close up here. Tell us a little bit about that and how that came about. Yeah. Um, so 
again, it was one of those things where I did a recording and submitted it. Um, they were like, cool, you got it. Um, and I just went on, I performed. I think I was also in um, high school. So at that time, I wasn't really putting that much stakes on being a musician. I never expected to be here. Wow. <laughs> um, so I was just like, cool, this is a really great opportunity. A lot of people have played on Carnegie Hall and they're all amazing. So I just wanted to be there. And, yes. Yeah. Wow, you got the opportunity to do that in high school. That's incredible. So before we close here, um, I want to talk a little bit about your gig on October 30th at 3 o'clock at Crackham uh, Performance Hall at Carleton College. Uh, tell us about the show. Yeah, so this is a super unique um, program that is probably almost never done before in America. So we got um, the Chinese dance group. Um, I think they're called CAMS, Theater Dance. Um, And they do a lot of Chinese um, traditional dance. And so we're going to be playing live music while they dance next to us. And mm. it's going to be a super um, unique experience. The dancers are beautiful. Um, I bet. I just did a gig with them like last week. Um, it, we did a, the same piece that we're going to perform at the Carlton um, performance called. Um, it's uh, the translation is Moonlight Autumn, I think. Mm. Um, but um, we have a very talented Gujan player, Helen Hu, and Silas Zhao um, is the Erhu player, and then we're going to be playing a small chamber piece with um, Ga Hong, and I'm going to be playing on the Xiao, which is a huge vertical flute. Um, And vertical means it comes out from your face as opposed to along. It's like a clarinet. Got it. Yeah. Um, So we're going to be playing that piece, and then I will also be playing a solo called um, The Little Herdsman, I guess um, that's the translation. And okay. so I'll also be playing that with the dancers um, dancing next to me. And we also have like two or three more pieces by the ensemble where there's going to be dancing. So it's going to be a super um, interesting and unique experience for anyone who can come up. And it's the Chinese um, music ensemble and also global music ensemble. Do you play together or do you have separate pieces and or both? Um, so we have separate pieces. Most of the time, um, people in the global ensemble are also in the Chinese ensemble. Okay. Um, there, we have plenty of students who just want to learn about Chinese music and be exposed to the culture, and so they join. And we're always happy to have anyone, even beginners. Um, and so in the global ensemble, I think this year we're going to be playing some um, Japanese folk tunes. So it's going to be a lot of... Um, Asian, Asian music, which nice. is super cool. Well, this concert sounds wonderful. I'm, I'm really excited to go. Uh, I, I, I love marrying live music with dance. I, I don't think there's much more that you can. Um, well, what am I trying to say? A much more immersive experience, I guess. So, <clears throat> thank you so much, Shannon, for being on the show and sharing your music with us. And um, I look forward to seeing you on the thirtieth. Thank you so much. Oh, wait a second. We don't need tickets, right? People, um, no. It's a free concert. It's free. You can awesome. just walk in. Awesome. There you go. All right. Thanks, Shannon. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. Many, many thanks to Shannon for this inspirational and fun conversation and for sharing her music with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist and to you, dear listener, for tuning in to Musician Talk on The One, K-Y-M-N. Have a glorious day.
You've just heard the 73rd edition of Musician Talk with your host, Pauline Jennings, and her guest today, Carlton student Shannon Dieu. And we do look forward to hearing her in concert on October 30th at the White's Center at Carleton College. I'm Wendy, and you're tuned to your local station, KYMN, Northfield, Minnesota, 95.1 FM, AM 1080, and we are online at kymnradio.net. Last check of the weather on our way to uh, another unusually, unseasonably warm day. We're at 68 right now under sunny skies. Winds are currently from the northwest, I believe, Uh, I don't have the direction here. Eight, 16 miles per hour. And earlier today, I read about a wind advisory that the National Weather Service has given. And that is um, from 7 this evening to 3 a.m. on Monday, south winds with gusts up to 46 miles per hour are expected in portions of East Central, South Central, and Southeast Minnesota. And gusty winds could blow around unsecured objects. Tree limbs could be blown down, and a few power outages may result. And use extra caution when driving, especially if operating a high-profile vehicle. And be sure to secure those outdoor objects overnight tonight. And after our high today, which might be about 78, we'll drop to 67 overnight and a high tomorrow of 72 and partly sunny skies. Now we'll return to music here on KYMN. And I'll be heading out, but keep it tuned right here. So much music ahead, and I'll be back at 6 o'clock this evening with another edition of Fine Tune.